You are listening to motivational quotes and inspirational life stories from real life people just like you. I'm your host, Victoria Johnson. You can learn more about me and my number one best-selling book at victoriajohnson.org. It's time to share our experiences and motivate and inspire you. So let's get started. Hello, listeners, and welcome back for another episode. I have an amazing writer with us today. She has a blog called Embracing Vulnerability Courageously. She has been a writer her whole life, but in the last few years has really found her own unique voice that she believes that every writer has to tell their story, which makes a lot of sense to me. She also has now evolved into helping other people. She's doing a a sort of holistic ghostwriting. And so if you need somebody to help you get your blog out and so on, this lady is for you and she will be able to help you find your voice and then as well to share that voice with you. She blogs on a variety of topics and works for people doing all sorts of different subjects for their blogs. But really, she has a real history with things that have gone on in her life that have been a result of maybe some mental health issues with her family. And she is here to talk about where it all began and where it is now. And I want you to help me welcoming from California, Sherry Conaway. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate all that you're doing for the world and understand how important it is to help someone help you get your message out. But today, let's start by talking about your message? My message, as you said, has evolved. When I first started my blog back in 2009, I was trying to finally start healing from the suicides of both my parents. My mom took her life at the end of 1993 and my dad on, believe it or not, 9-11-2003. I come from a family that treated showing feelings, showing emotions as a weakness and so discouraged it. And as a result, I kept all my feelings about their suicides in for for over a decade. And finally, with the encouragement of my amazing oldest daughter, I started writing about it, and she helped me create my first blog. But as time went on, the writing was healing. The writing actually helped me get the feelings out in what felt like a safe environment for a long time. And then as I started connecting with other people who had experienced family suicide, who also needed a voice, it was, I guess, the old adage where if you want to help yourself, help somebody else really came through because being that place, that safe place for people who had experienced family suicide to finally be able to just say, I lost so-and-so to suicide. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm confused. I feel guilty. All of the things that people experience when they've lost someone to suicide, but either are afraid to admit or so ashamed because they they take it upon themselves. And it's because society tells us almost that if you lose someone to suicide, it's your shame. They're not around to take the blame for it. So now it's on you, which is so wrong and so difficult. It makes the healing process a thousand times harder because if you can't talk about something, if you can't get the feelings out and feel the feelings without shame, you can't start healing. Well, you know, and it's so interesting that you said the word shame because that's what was coming to me too when I think about people in my life who I know who suicide has affected and how it is something that's not talked about. And, you know, and that's right from, you know, the time of it happening. People just 
really avoid that subject. And I'm thinking about being the person left behind. And in your case, with both parents, I can't even imagine. And like how you went from, you know, the shock and the shame that shows up to being able to release it. Was that mostly in part to the writing? That was 100% the writing. Uh, there was no, really no other way I could have done it. Once I started getting the words on the page and getting people responding, or actually on the computer, but when people started responding and commenting, and then people in my social circle started coming up to me and thanking me for writing about it because they'd been through it too, Mm -hmm. I saw how big a hole there was in our society and how big, a, how much of a need there was not only to be able to talk about a suicide, but to be able to talk about depression, mental health. I mean, in the last few years, we've seen it. We've certainly seen an improvement in that. There's a lot more openness to talk about it. I even recently saw that suicide rates are in worldwide are finally starting to decline, whereas they had gone up by, by like 65% since the 60s. Wow, that's really an interesting statistic, but I'm glad to hear that it is going down. And like I you still need to verify that. <laughs> I read it in one place and I'm not one to believe until I, I confirm them myself. I'm glad you brought up, you know, some of the other emotions around that, you know, the, the depression and so on. And I'm glad that people are connecting with you and in turn finding their voice. I know there are some other topics that you quite often blog about and have listed as you know, a specialty area for ghostwriting for people to help them get their feelings on paper. Is that, the, is that the purpose there is to help them, you know, with their healing as well, you know, with writing or tell me more Not about so that. Not so much. Not so much because it's more to help them. I work with people like yourself who are trying to help other people. Mm -hmm. And in order to reach the people that you need to help, you need to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways is to get them to come to your website and read about what it is that you're passionate about, what you do from your heart, not just, just words on a page, but someplace, something that they can relate to. You know, they can read it and say, gosh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going through. That's exactly what I need. Mm -hmm. This person gets me. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, Google statistics all over, are all over the place, but if you don't have regular content on your website, people aren't going to find you because you're just going to come up too low in the searches. So, so it's another way for, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, so it's another way for connection, but also helping them in their business, which is, you know, fabulous. Right. And when I'm, I've been through a lot of different things. Marketing has never been my strong suit, mostly because you know, selling myself has never been something that's become easy. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's like there's this inbred humility that makes it very difficult. And what I finally stumbled across some people who teach relationship marketing. In other words, you build instead of you know selling, you don't go out and you say, yo, here's what I do, and blah, 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 I can do this and this and this for you. Instead, it's building relationships so that you have a network of people who know, like, and trust you. And they know what you do, but you haven't thrown it in their face. So when they're going through just building their own businesses, they'll see that and go, oh, I remember this person who I really, really like. And they did do this. I need to call them and talk about maybe, maybe working with it. Right. So that okay. it happens yeah. organically, as they say these days. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, absolutely times have changed in terms of how we communicate and communicating online and sharing our story that way is, is you know, another way to promote healing, global healing really global healing. And so again, your blog is called Embracing Vulnerability Courageously. Can you tell us some of your favorite things about that? Well, one of the things I learned, as I said, I come from a family where strength was equated to stoicism. 
kept your emotions mm-hmm. in. You didn't show your feelings. You always wore a mask, basically. I mean, my, my mother especially was the queen of masks. I don't think anybody really knew the, the real woman behind all of it. And what I learned as I started writing and talking was that all of a sudden, I wasn't all alone anymore. I mean, I was really isolated for a long time. But as soon as I started opening up and talking about some of the things I've been through, how I felt about it, I started attracting people. It was like they had, I was unapproachable while I was this strong you know, person who never broke down, never had anything that upset her, was always just really even keeled and had what looked from the outside like a perfect life. But people don't relate to a perfect life. They relate to the flaws. They relate to the struggles that we have. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I realized our strength is not in how brave a face we can show the world. It's how, if we can bravely show our vulnerability and let people see the cracks. Mm-hmm. And the more I recognized that and the more I connected with other people and started having real relationships with my friends, what my family had taught me for so long was wrong. My dad and his strength and all, you know, that I tried so hard to emulate was actually weakness, not strength. It was fear of letting people see the true, the real person underneath. And, you know, since I've read a lot of Brenna Brown, who really talks about vulnerability mm-hmm. from her own perspective, and which is certainly not the same as mine, but she says a lot of the things that I've been saying. But she, you know, she has obviously a much broader platform than I do. But, you know, she does echo a lot of my own sentiments that, that to be vulnerable, to be strong, you have to be able to let people see that you have a vulnerable side, that you aren't, oh, that you do struggle and you do need to ask for help from other people. That's another lesson there entirely on its own, isn't it? The whole asking for help piece. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because it's not, it's not easy to do. And it's interesting as a society how we have really become that way. And, you know, hopefully we're being more mindful, more conscious of it now. But when we think about people who are suffering from depression or anxiety or maybe even having suicidal thoughts, and we think about the help aspect for them, these are probably not the people who are going to be asking for help because their depression is too deep. And what do you feel? Do you have... Do you have um, any tips for people on how to, you know, deal with people around them, what to watch for, any questions they should be asking, any any warning signs? In the first place, one of the things, that's one of my my hot buttons, because people who are depressed are the last people who are going to ask for help because they are going to have a thousand and three reasons why they shouldn't ask anybody for help. Mm -hmm. They're too busy. They don't want to deal with my stuff. uh, You know, I mean, because I've been there too, where you just justify not you know, continuing to isolate. And one of the best places I found recently to, to get help for how to help those who are depressed or people that you think may be in, you know, in danger if for themselves is a group called givenhour.org. And they actually provide the five signs. They have a little graphic of the five signs that somebody is depressed or it could be suicidal, any of that. But one of their biggest suggestions is that we have to watch out for each other. Mm-hmm. And if you see somebody you know who seems to be isolating, who seems to be lethargic, low-key, that you haven't seen them for a while, it's really our responsibility to reach out to them. 
and knowing that maybe you'll say, hey, you want to go out for coffee or you want to this, you want to that. They're going to say no a few times. And because they still they feel unworthy, they feel like they don't deserve help. They don't want to bring you down with, with their sadness or whatever. And it's important that we're persistent and that we don't take no for an answer. I mean, you don't piss them off, but you keep asking. You keep, well, well okay, if you don't want to go out for coffee, how about if I come over and we watch a movie or I bring a pizza or I something? There's so many things that you can do. And of course, it's based on you know knowing the person in the first place, but things that might interest them and pull them out of that dark hole that they're sitting. Because they're not, you know, so many times they're not going to pull themselves out themselves. And then they're going to get out on the internet and they're going to be reading stuff that's going to take them down even further make them feel even less worthy. Yes. Well, I know for me in my past, I've had some issues around depression periodically throughout my life. And that is a really good point because the first thing I do is isolate myself. So that's great advice to the listeners to be reaching out and to do it more than once, to be persistent. So thank you for sharing that. And I just want to repeat that was givenhour.org. And Sherry's website is sherryconaway.com. I'm going to spell that for you. S-H-E-R-I-C-O-N-A-W-A-Y.com. Sherryconaway.com. And you have your blog on your website that they can check out as well as the services that you offer and uh, a free 20-minute consultation as well with your services, which is fantastic for people to get to know you. And I really appreciate how we are really talking about feelings today because there's just so many feelings that come up when we are blogging. I know that uh, when I wrote my book, for example, there was times I was at that keyboard with tears running down my face and sobs coming from my throat. It wasn't pretty. You know, I I often say in maybe in my mind, I thought writers, you know, went to some exotic island to write a book and it was all lovely. There was nothing lovely about me (laughs) writing my book. (laughs) And so uh, I'm assuming that you've come across the same thing, you know, with blogging and helping other people with their blogs. Well, Yes. <laughs> uh, you had a great quote talking about feelings earlier today. We were talking about, are you able to share it with the listeners? Sure. The quote is, one awesome thing about Eeyore is that even though he's basically clinically depressed, he still gets invited to participate in adventures and shenanigans with all of his friends. And they never expect him to pretend to feel happy. They just love him anyway, and they never leave him behind or ask him to change. That just makes my heart warm to hear. You know, it's one of those feel-good things that I hope that we can all do with the people in our lives. And I admire you so much for everything that you have had to overcome and to now be in a position where you are openly talking about your experiences and, you know, helping other people through your blog and through your writing and ghostwriting and so on. It's just such a story of triumph over tragedy, triumph after tragedy, I'm sorry. And to me, just thinks I feel like it took so much strength. But I'm guessing that as you went on, it became easier to talk about it because some of the shame and the guilt and the anger was released. Yes. You know, the one of the things that I think people don't realize is you have to feel your feelings. You have to let yourself feel them. And when we bottle them up, eventually they come out in a flood. They, they explode. Mm-hmm. And then you're left this hot mess. And, you know, what do you deal with? It's like a, a hoarder sitting in the middle of a cluttered room, having no idea where to start because you've got all these raw, messy, gooey emotions spread out all around you. But if we deal with them slowly, our mind will only give us parts of them at a time. And once I started writing about them and letting some of them out, 
they came out a lot more gently. And yeah, I get smacked between the eyes every so often still with something. I read of another suicide. As I mentioned before, uh, the, the shooting at the Borderline Bar and Grill last year, is that's my place to hang out. And when that hit, I was a wreck. But not only for the people who were killed, but for the young man who, who did the killing and then killed himself. The, there's just, you know, I could feel the angst and, and the pain that went through somebody to, in order to take them to that extreme, to carry, push them to the point where they would do something like that. Uh, and there are so many people out there who are bottling up their emotions until they come out in a destructive or unproductive way. So how can we help with that epidemic? I think first and foremost, we need to be willing to admit that we have we have our own struggles mm-hmm. and let the people around us know, you know, hey, I, I don't always have good days. There are days when I'm obsessing over something or I just can't get myself moving because I'm just sad, but I don't know why, or everything's piling up and I don't know what to deal with first. So they know that it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have to need, need to just go curl up in a corner and ball your eyes out sometimes. There's nothing wrong with you. You just, you're human and you need, it's like a pressure cooker. You need an escape valve. Mm -hmm. Yes. And especially, you know, when we are dealing with these strong emotions, you know, like the anger, like fear and not expressing that and keeping that in, you know, that's, I believe a a stepping stone towards the depression. Uh, If not worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many, and people, you know, I think all of us have minds that can be broken. Mm -hmm. It's a fragile, it's probably the most fragile part of our anatomy. And, you know, it's just compassion from other people is such a balm when Mm -hmm. you're, when you're struggling like that, when you're, when you're, when you're having a hard time, when you're feeling like you just can't carry on, go on anymore, or you can't take on anymore. And then, and then something else happens because invariably the more overwhelmed you feel, the more overwhelming stuff you get. So if you have someone in your life who is depressed or who you fear may be suicidal even, what is the thing not to say? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Get over it. You can't possibly, you, know, you shouldn't feel that way. Just just let it go. Just go do something. Go help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that and be, you know, snap out of it, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I think it's really important for people to realize that the depression, you know, and mental illness is not a choice. Oh. Uh, Oh, God, no. No. But, you know, fortunately, there are things we can do to help ourselves come out of the darkness. And, you know, one of those big things is the communication piece. And, um, you know, for you, a lot of the healing, like you said, was the writing and getting it down on paper, the conversations that you're having with other people who have been in a similar situation, who are just sharing their stories with you as well. And I would really encourage the listeners to you know, really use Sherry as an example on this and know that it, it's okay to talk about these things, you know, and not having to stay stuck in, in the shame or the guilt if you've got somebody in your life who has taken their own life and to know that there is another side. I mean, look what Sherry has done. There is a way to overcome the adversity and to be able to release your feelings. And what you said, you have to be strong to be vulnerable really struck home to me because that is in no form of weakness, the communication, the reaching out to other people to talk about your story, to share your feelings. 
Not at all weakness. That is 100% pure strength. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. You know, another thing that I found interesting as I've been talking about suicide and vulnerability and things like that is that a lot of people who approach me to share their story aren't people who've been through suicide, but who have been through been abused. Mm-hmm. And often as, as a child, somehow as we open up about traumas in our lives and are honest and you know, not feeling sorry for ourselves, but just, hey, this is what happened. This is how I was feeling. Kind of like give permission to other people who have their own traumas, even though they're not the same, but their own traumatic lives to open up about their own because it's like you're saying, okay, I'm opening up about this and here's what I've been through. You know, I know that I have to fix myself. I have to heal myself. So if somebody else tells me what they've been through, talks about what they've been through, I'm not going to try and fix them because I already know that the only person I can fix is myself and the, that it's going to be up to them to do their own healing. But part of that is just talking about what they've been through. I love that you shared that. And it is so true that, you know, the only person that we can work on, the only person that we can heal is ourselves. But in the sharing of our stories, it really does give permission to other people to share theirs as well. And there are so many people in this world, um, I don't know what the statistics are, who have suffered as children the physical, verbal, you know, emotional, sexual abuse. And, you know, that little child is still in there unhealed and needing to come out. And it's such a good point that you make that sharing our story gives permission to other people to really share their feelings too and begin their own healing journey. The saddest part of those, especially the ones who've been abused as children, is until they start working on the healing, they tend to, a lot of them attract abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. They continue to be abused. I believe that completely, that, you know, the behaviors that we learn as children, the coping strategies, we use those coping strategies to make our decisions when we are young adults and, you know, through our 20s, 30s, whatever, until we you know, get a chance to actually look back and do that healing you're talking about. Are there any books that you recommend or things that you have written? Or I know you said Brene Brown is one of your favorite authors that you could recommend to the listeners. Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there right now. But one of the things that I kind of focus on is being an empath. Mm -hmm. And the challenges that we face because we feel everybody's feelings. And when you don't know that you're feeling somebody else's feelings sometimes and you're sad for no reason. And so one of the people that I do recommend in that regard is Judith Orloff. And okay. she wrote The Empath Survival Guide. How do you spell her last name? Judith? O-R-L-O-F-F. Okay, Judith Orloff, The Empath Survival Guide. Survival Guide. Oh, that sounds like something really good. Yeah, and she actually has a group on Facebook too, an empath uh, support group on Facebook. Okay, great. I'm glad you brought up Facebook because I do want to mention that you also have a page on Facebook that people can check you out, learn more about you and reach you through as well. So it is, I'm going to spell it because it's a a bit of a mouthful here. Yes, it is. So (laughs) it is, uh, I'll just say it first, Sherry Levenstein Conaway author. So Uh S-H-E-R- I-L-E-V-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-C-O-N-A-W-A-Y author. Right. So I know that Sherry would love to hear from you. It is SherryConaway.com. Her blog, again, is Embracing Vulnerability Courageously. You can email her at Sherry at SherryConaway.com. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing what it is that you do to help other people and sharing how you have overcome this great tragedy in your life that would have for 
for many people been their reason to stay stuck in their story for the rest of their life. But thanks to people like you, people can tell their stories without being stuck in them. They can tell their stories, they can heal and they can move forward. So you are doing wonderful things in this world, Sherry. And I thank you so much for being who you are and for being on this podcast with me today. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, Victoria. It just, you know, the more the more people I can reach, hopefully the more people can start healing. And that's really what this world needs right now is more healing. It really is. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. It is my true desire that you have been inspired and felt a sense of connection with the words being shared. If you have an inspirational story to share on how you have overcome adversity and created an exceptional life, please visit my website, victoriajohnson.org. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next time.